Welcome one, welcome all to the Three-Eyed Hogcast, week three edition. I'm your host, Nick Demas, a.k.a. the Three-Eyed Hog. With me is Steezy Swan, Eric Stilo, the Dirty Swan. Swan, tell them what's good. What's happening, people? Welcome to the show. Welcome one, welcome all. We're in the second installment of the Hogcast. Which, uh, you know, if you, if you like what you're hearing... And for music to your ears, go ahead and like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Tweet it, Instagram it, throw it on LinkedIn, send it to your Tinder matches, do what you will with it. <laughs> follow, follow us on Twitter, Air Brisket, Eric Stilo. Good content coming out all week. I got some video breakdowns, very offensive line centric coming out. Swanson will give you all of his opinions on uh, whatever the world has to offer on a given day. Air brisket. Hot memes. Hot memes, good memes, great music, everything you could ask for. So we're getting started this week with the, you know, weekly first segment here. The beverage of the week. I'm sipping on a summer shandy, free advertisement again. Again, none of of the breweries or distilleries or liquor stores reached out just yet, so... Uh, we're giving another free ad. I anticipate after this, the cash is really going to start rolling in. But for now, we'll, uh, we'll go with our, our second free ad. We're going line at Google's Summer Shandy. My reasoning here, A, we got another 12 weeks before the Bears face off against the Packers again. So I can drink a Wisconsin beer without feeling incredibly sorry uh, about my, uh, my performance or my choices. Uh, it's a big karma thing. Number two, summer is uh, two days from its official end. So we're still in summer, believe it or not, Swan. And, uh, you know, you got to grasp on to, to summer with a little summer beer action. Uh, I can imagine that, you know, I've shed tarp. I've let the gut loose lakeside. There's a nice pontoon going absolutely nowhere. And, you know, maybe some, uh, maybe some Florida Georgia line on the aux cord. So it, it makes me feel good. Summer Shandy. Swan, what you sipping on over there? Uh, I had a White Claw earlier, so I'm still in the, I'm also in the summertime vibes. Yeah, hopefully we can, uh, hopefully with global warming, we can just <laughs> cut out fall completely. Yeah, I mean, ideally, this the global warming thing kind of overlaps with the rise of White Claws pretty nicely, you know? Yeah, White, what a time to be alive. White Claws, incredible summer drink, questionable winter drink. But if it's summer oh, all year yeah. round in twenty years, you know. This is the this is the first winter with white claws. It's gonna be the first winter with white claws. Maybe it'll turn people's minds around about the whole global warming thing. You never know. Potentially. I don't know. Are, <laughs> people, are people gonna drink white claws in the winter? Are they all the meme accounts joke about it, but a pumpkin spice white claw could happen. <laughs> Yuck. Yeah, I mean it's the white claw itself is definitely like some. There's some sort of cancer-inducing substance in there. There's no way that it's so good and so light and so like such a perfect beverage. Like they could probably just throw all kinds of artificial flavorings in there and just make whatever flavor they want, right? Yeah. Hey, bring it on. Yeah, I'll take it. They haven't. No research has come out yet saying white claws killing anyone, so I'll take it. Now, <laughs> did you see the video of the kid falling out of the transformer when he was climbing at the top of the electrical pole? Oh, God, yeah. Just absolutely a brutal video. First of all, I started the video off thinking, wow, I feel bad for the kid. Like, just some college kid trying to do some hijinks for his friends. But then I realized how truly dumb that was. 
Now, we were dumb in college, but were we, like, <laughs> nothing even borderline approached, like, that level of idiocy. Yeah, like, not off the top of my head. I would like to think not. No, like, we definitely, like, ran through the fence in our backyard a couple times. We definitely set off fireworks in the middle of West Philly. But at least we weren't going to fall 40 feet to our, like, demise, you know? It was, it was grounded. Yeah. It was grounded. So, anyways, the kid was really dumb. Was that White Claw induced? I don't know. Potentially. All the college kids are drinking White Claws now. What I'm trying to say here, we have to start a conversation. I've never seen a football player get charged with, like, 40 megavolts of electricity and fall 50 feet from the top of a pole. Now, but White Claw might have done that to that kid. Is White Claw more dangerous than football? On, on the aggregate, probably. Yeah. It's something well, to chew. It's something. Yeah. To chew. It's something to chew on. We'll let the listeners chew on that. It's possible. Think about it. You never know. World news segment. Glad to bring it back. We got a couple more topics this week. I think they're really going to tickle your fancy. Speaking of world news, Swan, did you know that we are a worldwide hogcast? <laughs> we got. I, uh, I wasn't for sure, but I had a feeling that we were. I was running some advanced statistical metrics earlier. We've got, uh, we've got listeners in Japan, uh, Belgium. I'm still working on the rest of them. And I'm pretty sure that both of the people in those countries listening are personally indebted to me for some reason, and they kind of feel bad for me, and so they're listening. But, hey, I'll take it. That's a global, that's an international hogcast. So. Yeah. Um, are those where some baby mamas live? No, it's a, it's a, it's a family member. And it is a um, a close a close work friend. However, you know, I'll take it. I'll take whatever I can get. We're gonna have them expand our reach, and uh, we're the first ever international hogcast. So, uh, <laughs> wow! Only took us two weeks. Too. Only took us two weeks. We're already breaking boundaries, barriers, borders, etc. You know, you yeah. love to see it. You love to see it. So breaking breaking borders. We're we're doing it. The, a wall can't hold us down. Neither can neither can border controls. Uh, getting on to world news here. Someone who might need some protection from uh, border patrol. Takashi six nine. That's a great transition. He's on trial from uh, in New York right now uh, for some game related activities. We won't get into the transgressions. They're heinous in nature. But uh, let's get really into what what's going to progress and transpire after after he kind of like throws all of his fellow gang members under the bus here. Um, Takashi 69 is going to enter a witness protection program situation, undoubtedly. I mean, you don't just rat out all the members of your gang and, uh, and you know, walk away scot-free. You know, he's, he's going to have, he's going to have some people after his neck. It begs the question, who, how do we protect this man? If you're the, if you're the U.S. witness protection program, what sort of protocol do you put a well-known rapper with face tattoos into? Yeah, you're in, uh, quite the predicament. We were, we were tossing around the idea of uh, sending him overseas, maybe to a place like North Korea. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, I think if anyone could take him under his wing, be someone like Dennis Rodman, for sure. Yeah, I mean, let's look at the, let's look at the similarities. I mean, first, you think about the gang, like, you, you send this guy, even if you send this guy to, like, Idaho, right? I mean, he's going to have, like, mad face tattoos, and, like, everyone's going to recognize him. And the gang, the gang members, whoever they might be, uh, or the family members, the gang members, you know, these things run deep. They're going to they're gonna find him, and he's not going to be 
he's not going to be in the clear out there. Really tough to protect the anonymity of a face-tattooed individual. So you can't really send him to, like, Idaho or, like, a remote location in the U.S. So what do we do? Yeah. Like, we have to send him to a place where not even, not even like, the, not even these, these, these hoodlums, gangbangers, as my father would call them, will travel to, you know, take out their, their revenge, right? So you kind of got, like, North Korea. Like, no, 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 these hoodlums are, like, A, buying a plane ticket because, it, like, you can't, or B, have the desire to go to a country that's going to, like, detain them and lock them in a prison cell. Let's get, let's get a little Dennis Rodman international outreach program going. Let's, let's ship him over there, and let's let Dennis go to work. I mean, he's become a successful international ambassador for the U.S. Might as well put Takashi under his wing. I'm sure, I'm sure Kim, Kim Jong-un being the hip, trendy, you know, millennial dictator that he is, he's probably down for, like, a little Takashi blasting in the uh, whatever kind of mansion he's got out there, right? Guys, I was listening to, I don't understand how, like, this boggles my mind that this man is even in the public eye. Yeah, he seems maybe, like... Maybe gets plays over there. He seems like a guy with really bad music taste. That's just my guess. You know, in the James Franco movie, he, he enjoyed a little Katy Perry action. I don't even give him, like, credit for that in real life. Like, I don't <laughs> think he could even appreciate that level of, of, of melodic talent. Like, Takashi's probably right up his wheelhouse. New plan. Whoever, whoever's listening from the government, which I'm sure you are, uh, we're sending Takashi to North Korea. If you want ideas on how to make this a productive, mutually beneficial relationship, let us know. We'll, we'll draft something up for you. So let's keep it domestic now, uh, a little bit closer to home. Four blocks from my apartment on Monday night, Elizabeth Warren held a rally. And she ends up sitting around taking selfies with loyal fans for four hours. Four hours. That's good for her. Yeah, she's clearly committed to her fans, her supporters, voters, etc. And her fans are clearly committed to her, right? Like sitting out in a park with like, you know, like basically a New York City park with like rats running around in your feet. And like these people are sitting in this park waiting to get one selfie with Elizabeth. Okay, first of all, it's on Monday night, right? For me to skip Monday night football, even to watch Trevor Simeon, it's going to take a lot. And I I understand not everyone has the priority on football that that I have or that you have or that most people listening to this have, but four hours on a Monday night. Swan, there has to be very few things you would skip like a Monday night football game, even a shitty Monday night football game for out of Monday night. Yeah, and I'm just sitting here thinking, like, who I would even stand in line for four hours to meet. Yeah, I mean, like, what are you going to say hi to her? And, like, I really love your, like, your, yeah. your policy that's going to, like, I don't know, you're going to you're pay my college tuition. Like, please, I'm going to wait four hours to, to plead with you because that's going to push you over the edge. Um, no, I just don't get it. To be honest, that, uh, the game wasn't, the game was fairly entertaining. The Jets are so... It's like a, it's like watching a car accident, you know. You can't keep your eyes off. You can't keep your eyes off of it, and it's still the NFL. It's still, it's still decently good football. Yeah. It is, it is New York. Even though the Jets are the ugly stepchild of the city, like you would still expect that maybe there's some reverence for it. But it's kind of a weird city in that way. Yeah, Le'Veon still got me like twenty. So. Yeah, our fantasy teams were well off. The people waiting there for four hours having rats, you know, pee on their feet. That's they're probably not as well off. Andrew Yang had a tweet on Thursday night 
questioning the fact that there was a uh, Democratic presidential debate on the same night as NFL football. He said, voters watch football too. Or I totally, I'm on board with him. Like, that will push me over the edge for him, regardless of his politics. If he can respect the sanctity of the NFL and our lives, I, that's a man with some common sense, right? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think uh, actually aware of reality is common sense. Yeah, so look, that's a guy I can get behind. Uh, yeah, man of the people. Man of the people. And we should bring him on podcasts. Yeah, I mean, we'll probably we could probably swing Yang. I'm sure we I'm sure we could get him on here. He'd probably like to talk shop a little bit. I'd like to get his opinions on uh, his beverage of the week or his general opinions on uh, gambling very stupidly on football. But I'm sure he'd like a little little friendly banter. Um, so so maybe maybe we can swing that. Seems like a PBR kind of guy. He'd probably be a PBR. He, he but he seems like a guy who. Universal basic income guy. What what would he drink? I like. I don't even know what drink to assign to that. I know so, so few universal basic income guys in my life. Most of the guys who are UBI guys are like also happen to be the guys like blowing money at the club fans with like big big old trust funds. So potentially like I don't think Yang's that way, but and I don't think he's gonna be popping bottles at the club. But uh, I just don't. I, my point is I don't really have anything to compare that to. Right? I just I don't even know. PBR could probably be a good good bet. I will tell you one thing though: if you put a, a political rally, no matter how big the politician, during a Thursday night Bears game in Chicago, and you lined up in Grant Park, you're not waiting for four hours for selfies, right? Like there's going to be like 200 people there. It's not it's not going to be a whole thing. So Pittsburgh probably the same way. Am I wrong? Yeah. Unless there was like yeah, like free permanis might do it. See uh, Jerome Bettis at permanis half off. Yeah, if you bring Jerome Brett Bettis and Free Permanis there, then you're going to get a draw at a political rally during a Steelers game. But but even then, you might have a, like a, a handful of people. What I'm, like what I'm getting at is New York is a far inferior sports town for something like that to happen. Just a bad sports town. We can leave it at that. You know. Third world news segment here. I was walking down the street in Midtown today, talking to a buddy, and I walked past this guy who's ripping a dart right on Park Ave, and he goes ahead and he like. You know, he does a little thumb flick of his uh, organic jewel, and the cigarette ash goes, like, all over the right side of my body, right? I'm, like, I'm covered in ash. I probably walk in the office, smell like an ashtray, whatever. I'm not, I'm not like, stuck up about it, but I'm, I'm also begging the question. Like, this never happened to me before last week's jewel ban. So, could we, like, maybe we connect the dots here, right? And, and plus, like, 30 minutes before I was walking down the street, I was reading this article on NBC News, great news provider about a kid who has switched back to ripping like a pack of darts a day. He's smoking cigarettes again. Uh, he was smoking the Juul to get off of cigs, and now this whole Juul thing's going on. He's trying to get off a of Juul, and he's back on cigs. <laughs> Which is just a classic story. Just classic, like, classic fire in the flames of the, uh, the, the vape support crowd here. Uh, my, my question here for you, Swan, is what's the best way like hypothesize a policy change that will get Americans to stop loving nicotine. Um, I've just been abusing uh, caffeine more, to be honest. Yeah, that's what people say. Just drink like eight cups of coffee a day. <laughs> yeah. Which seems drinking like yeah, like Lipton green tea and shit. Seems productive. It's a way to get the nation back to work again. But yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think it's possible. I just I've been thinking about. Getting the Nicorette gum. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's certainly an option. That's the, 
expensive as well. Yeah, I don't know. I I just think that Americans love nicotine, and this guy, like, what do we just do? We want our respectable twenty-four-year-old bloggers just to walk around their city and just get cigarette ash all over them? Like, I don't know. I, I like, when are we gonna make this stop? Right? Is there a clean alternative here? So my ideas, my brainstorms here. We can keep the jewel ban on. Let's get rid of cigarettes. Like, we don't need that. Number one, the government puts, puts fluoride into our water. It's good for our teeth. Tap water of America, infuse it with nicotine, right? That makes sense. Just get every, everyone will get their fix. If you're going to, like, if you're going to improve the dental health of America, you need to, should also at least give us a reason to smile, you know? People, people of America are asking for it. Number two, I would say... Swanson, you're you're a conspiracy theory guy. You know about chemtrails, right? You know we have the uh, we have the oh. we have the single manned aircraft flying over our houses every day, dropping chemicals that are keeping the populace calm and tame. Uh, well, you know, while the government uh, does things over our head to dupe us. This is the chemtrails conspiracy theory. I don't want to get too deep into conspiracy theories here, but it is it is it's out there. It's on the table. Um, so what do we do? Well, you start dropping nicotine in the chemtrails. That's a possibility too. The evidence is clear. The evidence is clear for chemtrails. I mean, just look up in the sky. You see these big white jets going over. Um, but hey, uh, chemtrails, nicotine, uh, maybe just like big, like big jewel smoke. Like I don't know. Some, something's got to be done. I don't. I don't want to get ash sprayed all over me when I'm walking around outside the office trying to get away from the cube. You know. Got to do something like we can't we can't get the nation back on cigarettes. We just can't. It can't happen. We'll see. Your your move, Washington. I'm pretty. I'm pretty excited to start smoking cigarettes again. To be honest. I mean, that's 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 one. Finally, of something. Finally, something that we can smoke and not worry about it killing us. You know. Yeah, like let's push us back in that direction. However much, like Philip Morris. No, I bet Philip Morris was the one who initially. Mailed the jewel to uh to to the White House to Barron's room, got Barron hooked on the jewel, got got Melania to ban the nation, and then uh and then they're they're just gonna be profiting off of this. They're they're they gotta be doing all right. Anyways, let's get into uh, what we're all really here for, which is uh, some NFL football, and specifically in my uh, city of residence right now, we're talking Daniel Jones. He'll be the starter against the Buccaneers this weekend in a game that uh, no one's going to watch. So we won't spend too much time on this one. Uh, Bucks, Giants, I'll, I'll pass. I don't know about you, Swan. I'm sure you got better things to watch. We got a lot of good games at 1 o'clock this weekend. Noon for your Central Timers. 7 p.m. for you Belgian listeners. Uh, what, 2, 2 a.m. for the Japanese out there? Um, so... So no one's going to watch this Giants-Bucks game. But Eli got benched. Is he a Hall of Famer? Is he not a Hall of Famer? There's plenty of better quarterbacks than Eli who aren't in the Hall of Fame. There's plenty of, eh, are there worse quarterbacks than Eli who are in the Hall? I don't know. Potentially. Probably probably not, honestly. But Yeah, probably not is right. The, um, I believe there's two quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame, one of them being Joe Namath, who have a losing record. Yeah. So Eli Eli is sitting at one sixteen and one sixteen. Yeah. He's definitely he's definitely a strong case to be made that he is the worst quarterback in the hall. If in fact he does make it. I hope that he doesn't. He I don't hasn't know. even been he was never an all pro. Yeah. He 
he was he's never been an all pro. He's like you everyone's read the stats. He's rarely been like in the top five and statistically in any category. I don't know. I think that he's he stinks and like in most games in his career he has been very mediocre to bad. But at the same time, Namath is in there because he helped shape the story of the history of the NFL. And Eli might just be in there because he, too, has contributed to the grand story that is the NFL. And to not have his two performances against the Patriots in the Super Bowl be in the Hall of Fame where we recognize the, the, the greatest players to ever live. Um, and not just even the greatest players. The greatest players in NFL history. I mean, he put on two great postseason performances in the scope of NFL history. That's the case to be made for him getting in. Yeah, I mean, two, yeah, two of the two of the most iconic. Like those, he didn't play. It's not like he had great games in those games, you know. No. Like if it wasn't for Dave Irie having a remarkably stupid catch, he'd. Like what's Eli Manning? Just another dude who made it to the Super Bowl. He's just another dude. Good quarterbacks make it to the Super Bowl, though, to be fair. Historically, the Super Bowl quarterbacks correlate with quarterbacks who are Hall of Famers and top of their profession and all pros, et cetera, et cetera, go on. Um, but, yeah, you make a good point. David Tyree, Mario Manningham, they two of the greatest catches of all time. Now, David, now Daniel Jones is not even going to have the type of talent that is David Tyree and Mario Manningham, neither of whom are like were ever like all pro type guys. He's got one of the worst receiving cores in the league, um, and he doesn't get Golden Tate until week five. So doesn't look good for him there. His offensive line has improved. I will give them that. So he's got a, he's got a chance there. He had a 137.2 pass rating in the preseason, which take it as you will, um, he did look pretty good. He was, he was dropping balls in the bucket. He didn't look like a bad quarterback, per se. Did he look like a great quarterback? Yeah. Yeah. It's not like he went out there and looked great in the preseason. They played – Decent, like, I mean, the hell, the Steelers won three games in the preseason. He had a 59.9 completion percentage in uh, two years playing at Duke. 52 tutties, 29 picks. Eli was 116-116 for his career. Uh, Daniel Jones was 11-11 and in his two seasons at Duke. So they are, uh, they really found the... Uh, the replacement there. In yeah, the New exact York. clone. To be to be fair, the concession is at Duke. You're not getting the best players, and you're playing Clemson, Florida State, South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely fitting in perfectly. <laughs> yeah, and the Giants. It tells us something that he wasn't recruited that highly either, but he wasn't playing with superior talent. And all the credit to the guy; he's made it this far. And uh, I'm rooting for uh, I'm rooting for Daniel. Um, I'm rooting for him to, to be the next quarterback for the Giants to get absolutely lambasted by the New York media. Not that I want him yeah. to fail, but God, is it funny to just see the headlines. And his face is perfect for it. And, you know, he'll be mediocre. He'll be a 500 guy. We'll see if he makes it to a Super Bowl. But, uh, but there will be... I mean, if he, can be a 500, if he can be a 500 guy, I think that's a win for him. I mean, he's, he's already won. He has a rookie deal that is more lucrative than he should have got. You're not wrong. Being the sixth pick, he should have been like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> barely should have been a first rounder. If he goes 7-7 seven and seven with this roster, which is absolute garbage, the defense is so freaking bad. Um, it's if, so- he, if he goes 7-7, seven and seven, that'll be wildly impressive. It'll be incredibly impressive. Swanson, our friend Don, he's a irrational Giants fan. He 
in an idiot move, just in the spirit of gambling being legalized at sportsbook casinos, he put like $100 on the Giants to win the Super Bowl at like 90 to 1 or something like that. It'll never happen. But that's just the type of irrational fan that he is. He's also an irrational fan in that he's, he's got this weird football purist thing going on where it's, it's almost like self-hating towards the players in the league. And with this, new, with this Jalen Ramsey talk coming out, uh, Jalen Ramsey requests a trade from Jacksonville after getting a fist fight with his coach. Um, I think there's like a good chance that they resolve it without him actually getting traded. He's a really good player. He's like kind of a head case hothead. And I think he's had a pretty good run in Jacksonville so far. I do understand his concern about like playing for a team with a coach where, you know, you might not play up to your full potential, but he'll get paid. Yeah. He'll get paid come come time to get paid. But our but our, our Giants friend fan who already irrational in his defense of Eli Manning who demanded a trade out of San Diego before even playing it, playing it down. Uh, this kid is just, like, hating on him for, like, looking out for his own self-interest, which is, is heinous. Uh, I, I'm all for the players trying to get the most money they can. I think he's going to resolve it. But what do we think about Jalen Ramsey trying to force his way out, reportedly trying to force his way out of Jacksonville? Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm all for it. He's a great player. He shouldn't have to waste his limited win- window in the NFL playing for a completely inept franchise. I mean, they made the playoffs, like, they made the AFC title game two years ago, but shit, I mean, Mark Sanchez made two AFC championship games. Yeah. They, it's not yeah. like the Jags have been uh, successful during their existence. That was the general manager. These, like, in my mind, there's nothing wrong with these players requesting trades. Like, do whatever you want to do. Like, if you don't want to be there, then don't. Don't continue to put up with it like should take control of your own life but um if i was a gm i would tell him like you're not going anywhere you're on the contract you signed if you don't like it like retire you don't show up you're not getting paid yeah th- there's something to be said for that he, he likely won't do that he'll, he'll show up to games he'll play some football he's an exciting player to watch he definitely was the best player on that jags team which was the best team in the yeah. NFC other than the patriots he doesn't like uh the doug marones and the shad cons of the world he doesn't like Gardner Minshew being his quarterback. It's a weird move. I mean, I, I'd play for Gardner. But if he wants out, he wants out. He's – I don't know. It's kind of a weak it's – kind of, it's kind of a soft move, but it's weak too. Play the season. Figure out where you're going to get paid in the offseason. But, uh, again, I, I echo your sentiment. He should look out for himself, but it's weak too. If you wanted to do this, do it in the offseason. And if Jacksonville wants to trade you, they'll trade you, but – Please. Yeah, he is. Uh, you guys got they got a chance. They ha- they don't have a horrible team. Their defense is pretty good. Gardner has looked serviceable. We'll see. Leonard Fournette kind of looks soft and slow at this point, and he didn't look that way his rookie year. But we'll see where the Jags go. Again, really small market too, so he can't do any of the stuff that Odell's doing. You know, when he was in New York or like any of the big market players and advertising deals. You're Jacksonville. There's not that great of name recognition. Jacksonville is, has over a million people though. I don't know if it has over a million. I know it's one of the smaller markets in the NFL. He should look out for himself. But play the season. Suck it up. Play the season. You got a good defense. You got teammates who are counting on you. There's there's something to be said on both sides, but at the end of the day, yeah. it's week two. Like have a little resiliency. That's what that's what I'd like to see. Um, but I but I don't I don't think he's a bad guy for wanting out. I just think he's a little soft. Yeah, I mean, I think you saw for other reasons, just because, like, our last year when they were getting their asses 
torched by the uh, Titans on like a Thursday night when Derrick Henry had that 99-yard run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were just getting absolutely demolished, and he was chirping like at the end of the game. Some weak shit. Yeah. <laughs> you're down 30, and you're going to be hooting and hollering like... Yeah, it's soft. It's soft. DBs are generally soft. We got plenty of DB news in the league all week this week. Yeah. Uh, we got your boys just dropped the first rounder to pick up Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, not to be confused yeah. with Minka Kelly, one of the greatest uh, TV stars in a football series of all time. Um, Lila. An absolute, absolute vessel she is. Um, so let's uh, let's go. Let's go. Let's go on. What, what, what do you what do you think about Minka Fitzpatrick on the Steelers and giving up a first round first round pick? For I am so hyped. Uh, when when news first broke that he requested a trade, I believe I tweeted at them. So I'm glad that they uh, glad they heeded my advice. The first round pick is honestly um, like that, at this point, Minka Fitzpatrick is a known commodity. Like we know what he can do and yeah. like a premier position. He was the 11th pick overall. In this league, you're, and when you think of it as, like, our first-round pick for this coming draft, like, we get him right now. That's perfect. On a secondary, that is hurting very much. <laughs> the um, I have seen people say, like, if, if the Steelers end up being as terrible as they have looked, like, that could be a real hot pick. But honestly, the, the Steelers have, still have to play the Bengals twice. They still have to play the Browns twice. They play the Colts, they play the Cardinals, they play the New York Jets, they play the Miami Dolphins. If Mason Rudolph can go out, that's the other thing. Like, I don't think they make the trade for Minka if um, they don't fully believe in Rudolph. If Rudolph can come out and win football games and they actually sneak into the playoffs, maybe, like, I think it's a great trade. Yeah, I'm I, real think, about it. I think you get a first-round pick out of this. It's a, You're trading a futures contract for a, like a, the physical asset right now. It's a vote of confidence mm-hmm. in today for your franchise as opposed to next year or two years from now. It, it sends the right message. As much as it's the acquisition of a good player, it, it, it's a message sent by the Steelers front office that they're going to win now and they're shooting to win now. And Yeah, and that, absolutely. And, and it's, it's weird because, like, Minka was on the block before Ben went down with an injury, right? So what was stopping the yeah. Steelers? What was stopping the Steelers from trading for him right then? Well, maybe one thing was an abysmal defensive secondary performance on Sunday. Maybe the other thing was something to do with the young quarterback and wanting to instill confidence in him. Or maybe the other thing was like, and you could this is a little bit reading into the situation, but like, are the Steelers almost excited and jubilant that Big Ben is finally injured and out? Like. He, and, and as a Steelers fan, you, you love Big Ben, obviously. But the guy, he's, he's been middling for the past couple seasons, and you'd like to get a new fresh face in there that maybe has less contention around the locker room and all the stories that we've heard about Ben's relationships with his teammates are true. You can almost consider this an upgrade for the Steelers in that you have a young arm talent. You have a guy who is going to inject some life in the franchise. Maybe this was maybe this spurring this Minka trade, not just as like a – Charity, charity thing for for the young quarterback and the young team relying on him. Maybe it was maybe it was a move that says, "Hey, look, this guy actually gives us a really good chance to win." And and this was just a reactive move to our secondary being bad, not even a not even a reactive move to you know needing help because of a young quarterback or wanting to instill confidence. Maybe it was just for the game. Which in that case, you think the Steelers front office has a lot of high hopes for this team. So I'm I'm all for it too. 
Uh, people say they gave up a lot, but let's see. Let's see what they can do. And is he going to mesh perfectly well with them week week in week three against the Niners? Who's we'll see. Maybe maybe their secondary is not going to improve until week six or seven when this kid's fully up to speed. And the Steelers are going to come back and and win some games later on. And we're going we're going to see this as either a good trade that got him a great player, or we're going to see it as a a trade that you know maybe turned around the attitude in the locker room. Overall, I think we're on the same page. Um, yeah, they just need to fire their defensive coordinator at some point if they just can't get it together on the back end. Yeah, or getting killed by busted coverages. And uh, when, I mean, when you play when you play quarterbacks like Tom Brady and Russell Wilson, like they're just gonna kill you. You've got a young secondary who yeah. potentially isn't communicating that well, reading formations, getting aligned correctly. Is is putting a new like twenty two year old who's never played in the system before. Slotting him in in yeah. week three gonna gonna resolve that situation. Like if anything, it might make it worse at first, which is what I was saying. But but hopefully yeah. his talent can overcome that, and they can put him in positions to be successful, and then you know have the rest of that secondary benefit off of that. You guys, you guys are in good shape. Maybe not this week uh, in San Francisco, but but uh, but the future's the future's looking up. That's that's a good move for the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Another DB kind of uh, middling around in the news this week is Jamal Adams. Played a great game on Monday night. The guy is like a heat-seeking missile who's got like a computer system that's a little bit buggy, right? Like if you watch that Monday night game, he's clearly the fastest, strongest, uh, most instinctual player on the field. But for some reason, he gets himself in these arm-tackling situations where he's not laying his whole body on the defender and like kind of missing tackles. To get off the diatribe, he uh, he unfollowed the Jets on Instagram. Everyone's kind of uh, hyperventilating, saying this is something about this is like the NBA and like if you like we can read into Instagram and Twitter follows and think that because of that, you know Jamal Adams wants out of New York. My thought about some of these journalists, they're in this era where uh, in order to increase viewership and readership, you have to kind of appeal to this like twenty to thirty year old female demographic. Uh, and a lot of the 20 30 year old female demographic that I know is, is perusing their Instagram activity feed, looking for follows and likes out of people that they can, you know, read into and gossip about their, with their friends. Not to totally stereotype, but it, it happens. It's, it's the reality of the world now. Is talking about a player's Instagram follow uh, just a direct plea for engagement from some of the people who are like super dedicated to their social media interactions. I mean, you could you could make that argument, right? Like, are people just like talking about his Instagram likes and follows because the people that they want to get on board with the NFL are obsessed with like Instagram activity and likes and follows? It could be. It could be. I don't know, Swan. You don't have an Instagram. I tried to make one for you sophomore year, and uh, I do. I do have an Instagram. Now. You're back on. You're back on the bus. The New York media is just one big gossip anyway, you know? Yeah. Are you telling me you don't have a burner account that strictly follows Steelers players on Instagram and tracks their what they're liking and, like, all of the posts and, like, Barstool Smoke shows that they're liking pictures of? You, you're telling me you don't have that lined up on your on your Instagram app? I do not. Okay, okay. So Sucks. perhaps we just don't know the demographic as well. Perhaps we don't know the demographic well enough, and we need to have someone who's very in tune with that uh, with that world on to discuss one of these days. Maybe maybe next week we have a guest correspondent talking about uh, 
you know, how we, how we should read into athletes' Instagram stories. But for now, I'm saying it's a bit of a stretch on a story, and uh, I hope the kid stays in New York. I would agree with all that. I, I mean, yeah, he's a beast. I, like, what? So if the Jets have Darnold, are they Are they good even with Darnold? Average? No. They weren't last year. They aren't this year. They don't have any receiving talent. They don't have a tight end. Their offensive line's kind of mixed meal. Um, their defense could be good. Mosley's out. Their D-line didn't look like the worst thing in the world on Monday night, but Quinn and Williams, yeah. jury's out. My jury's out on Quinn and Williams. I think he's funny, but I think he might be pretty soft. And defense backfield, other than Jamal Adams, is, is, uh, is embarrassing. It's laughable. Did you see the Odell Beckham touchdown on Monday night where he took it, what, uh, 90 yards, 88 yards or whatever it was? And we had a safety. And you got to watch the clip if you haven't seen it. I'll throw, it on, I'll throw it on the Twitter. But we had a safety playing back there, free safety, who was not named Jamal Adams. And Odell runs his slant right over the middle, and he's running up the left seat, the left hash. And we have a safety who is, is running. I don't know what angle he was trying to hit there, but Odell made that little cut in the ground, and it didn't even matter because that safety was heading, like, into the Jets' bench, like going to get a glass of water, not even not even on any sort of line that could have been mistaken for an attempt to tackle Adele in the open field. So I don't know what's going on, but Jamal's really the only guy in that the back end of that defensive secondary. To answer your question, no, the Jets suck, and they probably won't be good with Darnold. And you know that's just it's going to be a long game for them. They're going to have a couple more years. Yeah, poor uh, poor Jamal. He'll free agency. He'll get over there, I'm sure. He was probably just looking for like a, a, a highlight tape of his of his hits for Monday night on the Jets Instagram, and his thumb slipped because he was a couple uh, cocktails deep post game, and his thumb slipped slipped on the follow button and threw the New York media into an uproar. That's my working theory at this point. He's probably fed up with the fucking Jets just as much as the rest of us. Yeah, no, I mean they, they, you have to be like the the team can't be run well. Their team is just poorly poorly assembled in general. So Le'Veon's bright yeah, spot. Jamal's bright spot. I don't know. They're just their outlook's not great. So Uncle Jake last week, he he goes for Maryland, the Terrapins, over the Temple Owls. It was one of the most atrocious offensive efforts in the red zone, out of the red zone, across the field, defensively uh, that I've ever seen. It was it was incredibly disappointing to watch. So Maryland did not pull that out. So Uncle Jake is one and one on the season. Let's get into Uncle Jake's lock of the week this week. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be back with a capital back. This week, uh, I really like his pick. So this is what this is what Uncle Jake has sent in in between uh, in between racehorse benders. Uh, I think there was a Wednesday night at some uh, unnamed horse track joint in Arkansas tonight. So Jake couldn't unfortunately call in. He's got uh, he's got a couple trifectas working on his algorithm. He just sent me in a note here. Uncle Jake says. Fresh off a state school letdown where Maryland forgot entirely how to play offense, Uncle Jake is back at it this week with clear eyes, a full heart, and a fairly sizable gambling expenses payable, quote-unquote, on this month's expense report. Not great. Wisconsin and Michigan are facing off at Camp Randall this week, and something just doesn't smell right here. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Is it a trap line? One thing it definitely won't be is a party for Shea Patterson, who at this point might end up being the most hyped and least relevant quarterback in Michigan history right after Jim Harbaugh. In all honesty, Michigan looks flat and uncomfortable on offense. They barely scrape past a good Army team, and Wisconsin's ground-to-pound offense should be able to force Shea SEC Patterson into some tricky situations. With injury question marks across the board and a head coach who cries harder than Uncle Jake's old lady at the end of the Westminster Puppy Show, we'll take Wisconsin 
And we'll take Wisconsin at minus three and a half. We'll take them at minus three, preferably. We'll see if the line gets to that with all these uh, biased Michigan betters throwing around money in, in, uh, in the city here. But uh, we'll take Wisconsin, minus three and a half, minus three, whatever it is at this point. And uh, I, I like Jake's pick a lot. I, I too, echo the sentiment. Army kind of ran up and down the field against Michigan. Uh, Wisconsin's got far bigger and better athletes than Army does. And uh, I think they'll run all over him, too. So uh, Jake's got Wisconsin. Jake's 2008 financial crisis rating on this pick is pretend you're Bear Stearns and this game is a subprime mortgage. Okay, a.k.a. we're going to buy, buy, buy. Throw your entire client book <laughs> on the Wisconsin Badgers this week. I'm all in. I'm, I'm betting with Jake this week. One on one. He's going to get back up above the hump. Uh, Swan, you and I uh, also had a tough week here. I had UNC last week. They were down um, 21 to nothing going into the fourth quarter. They pull it into 21-18, and UNC a plus three. Looks pretty good. And then Wake Forest kind of drives the ball, matriculates down, kicks a field goal to ruin the bet. They could have just kneed down. Absolutely shameful move by the Wake Forest uh, head coaching staff to kick that field goal. I just – no one needed that. Um, We'll just punt, get, get a 10-yard punt, pin them deep, keep it at three. But they didn't. We lost. Uh, not the only bet we lost this weekend. But, hey, uh, my, my comeback pick of the week here is going to be Texas. It's at minus six versus Oklahoma State. Texas, who we discussed last week, is back. I like Sam Ellinger by a touchdown at home against the Cowboys. Cowboys always kind of have a sneaky good team. They're never on national TV. But Texas is, is a damn good team this season. Played an LSU team right to the wire at home. They've looked good yeah. prior to that. What do you think? Yeah, I, I like those picks. Uh, last week, I wow. So I was really thinking about taking the points for Pitt. Went with Penn State. They look like dog shit. Pitt. I think Pitt ran and gauge eight every single play. Penn State. Never, uh, never got the memo. They squeaked it out at the end. Pitt should have won, but they. Wow, did you see? Did you catch the end of that? They're down by a touchdown, and there's under four minutes to go in the game. It's fourth and one at the goal line. They kick the field goal, and they miss the field goal. Yeah, that was tough. The doink, the doink in Happy Valley is is just a, it's a tough one to swallow, and it. You kind of get the crowd on your back after that one, and uh, Pitt, Pitt didn't stand a chance after that. That's tough. Yeah. So, so what do you got, what do you got uh, this week? It was good for the city. But um, this week, I like the Cal Bears over the Ole Miss Rebels. California is, I believe, 22nd in the country. They're 3-0. Ole Miss has struggled early. And the, the California Bears secondary – is one of the top units in the country. I think they're going to keep it rolling. They're minus three. Like the Bears to cover. All right, kid likes uh, kid likes Cal at Ole Miss to cover. So, so we got Wisconsin from Uncle Jake. We got I got Texas. Dirty Swan is taking the Cal Golden Bears. Okay, uh, our luck's going to turn around this week. It's called mean regression. We'll be we'll be back in no time. So I'm I'm excited about that one. Uh, and, and let's see where the chips lie at the end of Saturday night. Now we got college under our belts now. We're going to be back on track. Let's talk a little bit about last week's NFL games. Now, for me, at least, uh, I said in the last episode, 
I had a little bit of pregame jitters going on. I didn't feel fully comfortable. And I gave the qualifier that we weren't going to be perfect at this whole hog casting thing at first. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, look, I went one and seven on my picks. I, it, it doesn't, it doesn't look good on paper. Okay. It does not look good on paper, but it's in the NFL. They say a loss is never as bad as it looks and a win is never as good as it looks. So yeah, that was a bad loss. It was tough. But we'll be back in action. We're gonna be. We're gonna. We're gonna finish this one out strong. We we only got up to go from here, right? I'm not, I don't think 0 and 8 is really gonna happen. But let's uh, let's let's pray it doesn't. Um, but we won't one in seven. We're nullifying the Browns and the Jets because the the cast was recorded before the Darnold mono news came out. So I actually uh, I had locked in a I locked in Browns minus two and a half. And then the line went to six and a half, and so I had to I had to go with the Browns there, uh, given the news. So we're wiping that from the slate, given the fact that we didn't have time to adjust after that one. Um, so one and seven in my other picks actually, which is again it's really bad, but I'm not a hero for it's essentially the preseason for me and Swan here too. I'm not a hero for accepting my failures and you know taking it on the chin and running with it. But if you think I'm a hero, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like tell you that I'm not. So a heroic effort by me to, to admit my failures, admit my losses, and we'll be back from here. I'll probably go 8-0 the rest of the year. Um, Swanee, Swanee went 3-5. and five. Swanee, on both of the games that he went contrarian to the three-eyed hog, he won. That was, that was good news for him. Just to mind you, uh, even though you, 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 probably, you probably feel good about beating me, but you still went 3-5. and five. Tell me, tell, yeah. what, what went wrong there? Um, just about anything you could think of went wrong. Forget what were the uh, what were the two contrarian picks. You took the Rams and you took the Vikings, or you took the Packers rather. And now I I lost both those. I took the Vikings and the Saints. Um, so you made the right picks on yeah. those. I'll give you that. Um, the, one of my losses again not doesn't really count as a loss emotionally. Uh, I lost the Bears. The Bears won by two. The line was two and a half. Um, but I'll t- that's, that was a moral and emotional victory, and I'm not gonna. I'm not personally counting it as a loss against me. You know, like the money there is. That's the price you pay for for happiness, and I'll I'll take the happiness of the the made kick at the very end there. Overall, over the the financial downfall from that. At least your team actually won. Jesus. Yeah, that's the other thing. I can take a moral victory from my loss there. You can't take a moral victory from the Steelers' loss. Even with all the, the high hopes that we might have for the future for, for your franchise, I uh, guess still lost. So, whatever. We're on to the next week. 1-7 and 3-5. and five. It doesn't look good so far. Cumul- cumulative records will hopefully pan out positive over, over time. My advanced statistical algorithms are designed to work with a, a higher sample size than eight games. So once we start getting into the you know the 64 game range, that's when we're really going to start to see this model purr. And I think we're I think we're all going to be in good shape for it after that. We got another slate of games this week. Some good games, some bad games. Uh, we took kind of the games of the weeks and the lines of the week here, and we are going to give you our thoughts. So first game of the week, 1 p.m. Sunday, Ravens at Chiefs. The Chiefs are six and a half point favorites here. Uh, the Chiefs are at home, where they've been a wagon the past couple years, save for uh, Thursday night debacle against the Chargers last year. But I, I really like the Chiefs here. I think, I think you look at the Ravens. They've been kind of powerhouse so far, but they've beaten the Cardinals and the Dolphins, which are just trash teams. 
you look at the Chiefs. They exploded in week one. They exploded in week two. Their offense is legitimate. I think even with the Ravens' defensive prowess with Earl Thomas roaming the center field back there for that defense, I think Mahomes at this stage in his career has the advantage over Earl in terms of you look at the way this guy looks off defenders, you look at his arm strength, you look at the type of speed that they have in the perimeter. I think even Earl Thomas isn't going to be playing uh, – isn't going to be stopping all the all the doubles that are going to be hit out to center field out there. So, and then on the defensive end, yeah, maybe the uh, maybe the Chiefs' de- defense isn't as uh, you know up to snuff as some defenses the Ravens are going to face this year. But the Lamar show, it's great and all. Um, I'm expecting a return to normalcy to a certain extent here. I, I just like the Chiefs. Giving them giving them less than a touchdown favorite at home, I think it's just stealing. You got to pick the Chiefs to win by a touchdown, and that's that's my pick there. Uh, what do you got for this one, Swan? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think the Patrick Mahomes experience is just too goddamn much firepower. At home, that'll be a tough, uh, tough road game for the Ravens. It's also a one o'clock game, which is noon Central Time, so not a not complete comfort for the Ravens. It's gonna be it's gonna be a great game. It's gonna be in the early slate. We need this game. There's gonna be a lot of scoring. We're gonna see a lot of it on right Yeah, um, it'll, it'll be. It'll be a good game. I like Jackson to make some plays. Um, I can definitely see it being close down the wire because I don't think Kansas City defense is particularly dominant or anything. But, um, but yeah, there, there's no answer for Pat Mahomes in the entire football league. There's no, there's no answer for him. I, yeah, I, li- I like the, I like him 30-17. 30-17, I'll take, uh, I'll take 34-24 Chiefs. Nice. All right. Um, one thing I will say about this game, it's going to be maybe the game of the week. We'll see. It was a great game last season. This is when we got the no-look pass from Mahomes. Uh, it'll be yeah. a great week, great game this season. One thing I will say, uh, I had a buddy, so not to brag, but I do have Mahomes and Lamar on one of my fantasy teams, and I had a buddy approach me about a, a trade for uh, Lamar Jackson earlier today. The kicker here being uh, just about an hour before that, we, we were overhearing him in the office talking about his noon tea time with his friend's mom at, on Sunday, which means that he will be missing the entirety of the 1 p.m. slate of games, including for his own New York Giants, um, on Sunday in lieu of, uh, in favor of playing golf with his friend's mom. So it, I kind of think that if you're going to bail on that, in week three of the season, you're already making concessions for yourself. I, th- I think you kind of got to pay the price by, A, we'll put an embargo on you in fantasy football trades. B, uh, there should be some sort of, like, financial or monetary penalty for that. Like, you should have to, you should have to leave one spot in your starting lineup blank um, where it would have normally been occupied by 1 p.m. start time. Or you should have to pay 100 extra dollars into the fantasy pool, something like that. I just think it's egregious to, like, go golfing with your friend's mom over watching an entire slate of NFL action. On a Sunday at noon, I just, I just think it's heinous, and that's that's all I have to say about that. Um, you guys know where I stand on this. Uh, how, how hot is his friend's mom? I I that's the question that everyone's been asking, and uh, um, I don't know. Either way, like it's your friend's mom. I, I don't think you can approach it like that, but but uh, sure. I think the I think his buddy's gonna be there too. Presumably, I don't think this is a one-on-one type situation. But uh, but still, it's just golf during the summer, bro. Like like figure out a better time to go. Uh, we got two of the biggest lines of all time. It's the first time in like 37 years. Don't quote me on that number. It's something in the 30s. Last time this happened was like early 80s. 
um, that two teams have opened up as over 20-point favorites. And that's the, the Cowboys at home against the Dolphins are 21.5-point favorites. Patriots at home against the Jets, 22.5-point favorites. Which, Swan, which of these games has a better chance of, of hitting uh, in terms of the, the favorites covering? See, I honestly don't know. Honestly, probably the, the Patriots, but the Cowboys' defense is legit, and the, nobody's been able to stop Zeke or Dak for that matter this year. And uh, I, I think both teams are pretty much equally putrid at this point. Because believe it or not, Ryan Fitzpatrick can honestly play more than Luke Falk, I believe, is the kid's name that they got in there. Yeah. In New York. Yeah. I I'd probably I'd probably, I'd probably say the Cowboys are more likely to cover the twenty one and a half. Um simply for the fact that I think the Patriots get in this lull every year and I'm just I'm anticipating it and I'm gonna be I'm gonna look like an absolute fool next week when this doesn't happen and they win forty five to nothing. But I think they kinda get into a lull where in these week three to week seven kind of uh, mishmash part of the season. They'll drop one here or there, or they'll not look as good as they should here or there. Whereas I think the Cowboys are just absolutely rolling. And despite Ryan Fitzpatrick being um, a serviceable quarterback, some might say, uh, they, have no, they have no team around him. Where I think the Jets have just like slightly more complete of a team. Even going into New England, you, gotta, you also take into account that it is like rivalry is probably a strong word at this point because the Jets have been – they haven't competed yeah. for six years with the Patriots, but they, they have some vested stake in the game, whereas the Finns like probably could care less about any sort of personal motivations against the Cowboys. Um, I do say they're both – that both favorites are going to cover. I just think it's a b- bigger chance that the Jets keep it to like a 24-10 or something like that. Um, yeah, but I like the I like the Cowboys, uh, thirty five to seven, and I like the Patriots. Let's just say uh, thirty eight to thirteen. Just kind of close, but yeah, I like both favorites here. Yeah, I also like both favorites. Okay. I like the Cowboys. Um, yeah, for all aforementioned reasons. These are two hot teams and two very bad teams. I like the Cowboys to win 45-10, and I like the Pats 31-6. Okay. Not much offense out of those really bad AFC East teams. Uh, moving on, Raiders. Yeah. Raiders at Vikings. Vikes are eight-point favorites at home. It's a lot of points against a team that is arguably not that horrible. Like, the Raiders, save for one really explosive quarter from Patrick Mahomes, we're a very competitive team in that game against the Chiefs the other night. I think their defense is, I mean, their defense is above, probably above average. They're average to above average. But yeah, they have a solid running game. Hopefully, Josh Jacobs is fully healthy on Sunday. And the difference between their game against the Chiefs and their game in Minnesota here is you had a quarter, you had a quarter where Mahomes threw four touchdowns and threw eight straight passes of, like, over 20-yard completions. Uh, and then you, got, you go to Minnesota the next week and you face Kirk Cousins, who – has just been like the the least inspiring player in the NFL over the first two weeks, um, and yeah. So I like the I like the Raiders on the road. I think they gear up a little bit. I think they're not as bad a team as everyone says. Um, eight points is a lot of points. They'll lose by a touchdown. I'll I'll say they lose by a touchdown. Let's say twenty one fourteen. It's not gonna be a high scoring game. Take the under if you may. Um, but let's say twenty one fourteen, and the Raiders have a chance to kind of. 
bust out and, and you know, maybe hit a couple long completions to Tyrell Williams. Even though the Vikings' D is pretty solid, uh, they showed some holes against the Packers that hopefully Gruden is able to exploit. Let's say, let's say uh, 21-14 Vikes, Raiders cover. Yeah, I, we're 4-4. Uh, uh, four, four. I like the Raiders to lose by a touchdown 16-23, but cover the eight points. Vikings, um, uh, there's nothing that special about the Vikings. I think the Raiders are definitely better. Um, I could definitely see Minnesota taking them lightly as well. And eight points is a lot, so I'll take I'll take um, Oakland with the hook. Okay, we're on to the next one here. We're uh, same page so far. We got Texans at Chargers in the soccer stadium. Uh, always weird. I wonder how many Houstonians are going to be traveling out to to San Diego for this game. Um, probably plenty. Now the Chargers make me super uneasy. Last season they kind of had this thing where they won twelve games. None of their wins were that like crazy impressive. They beat the they they tended to win games by like one score. Um, I'd say for say for a couple games early on there. Phil Rivers doesn't inspire that much confidence in terms of like getting out to a huge lead and holding on to it. They barely won a home week one in overtime against the Colts. They had a bunch of these games last year where they kind of faced middling opponents and kept it way too close. That's what makes me nervous about the Chargers. What makes me want to absolutely hammer this line and what's making me take the Chargers uh, with the points, uh, um, you know, winning by more than three points here, is the Houston offensive line is historically bad. Four, four sacks allowed in eight straight games. Joey Bosa is an absolute savant at rushing the passer, oh. specifically in the StubHub Center. And I think Joey Bosa goes and just goes off. Uh, he's going to have his way with that Houston O-line, and I think the, the Chargers are going are gonna to win this one. It'll be close for a lot of it, uh, but the Chargers win 28-21. Uh, I feel bad for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, we're going to watch that poor kid die on a football field one, one day. Was too, people forget he was too injured to ride an airplane last year. He broke his ribs, like punctured That's his lung. He couldn't go on the plane because yeah. of air pressure differences. That, I mean, as an offensive lineman, that hurts you to your core. And if it doesn't, you don't, you're don't. you not playing with pride in what you do. <laughs> it hurt him to his core. It literally hurt him in his core, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I like the Texans to win outright in this game, and I will take those three points gladly. I like them to win 27-24. I don't think – I think the Chargers are overrated, and I think the Texans are underrated. Right. They do have – so if they let Joey Bosa – just destroy them. He will, but I, uh, I believe that they can neutralize him somewhat. They still have a lot of talent on that offense, and the Chargers are hurting. I don't think that they. I just don't think that they're a better team than the Texans. So that being said, I will gladly take the points. Cool. All right. First, uh, first disagreement of the week. Uh, we'll see. That should be a good game. Chargers make me really nervous, but. Seeing as I was blindly confident in every pick last week, maybe being a little bit nervous about a pick is a, is a good thing this week. Um, Saints plus four at Seahawks. Uh, just to give you my, my sabermetric thoughts on this. So last week, the 49ers played in Tampa Bay week one, and they went to Cincinnati to play week two. They're a West Coast team playing on the East Coast. They stayed in Ohio all week before the Cincy game, and they go in and they whip up on Cincy 41-17. So I'm going to extrapolate that. I'm going to apply it to my theory in the Saints-Seahawks game. Uh, the Saints have been 
practicing all week at University of Washington after playing last week in Los Angeles. They'll be in Seattle this week. Um, given the fact that, you know, kind of potentially losing those distractions that you might have at home uh, when you go home after a, after a road game, minimizing those distractions, being with the team after a loss, I think uh, Sean Payton gets his boys on the right on the right track here. I think uh, New Orleans offensive line is uh, going to run all over the Seahawks defense. They got a couple pass rushers, but I don't think they're particularly stout. And the Seahawks barely beat the freaking Bengals at home, who just got waxed by the Niners. Um, I don't think the Seahawks are that legit of a team. No offense, Swanson. They beat your guys last week, but I don't think they're that that good of a team. They got a lot of holes on defense. And I'm taking the Saints plus four. The Saints are going to win. 24 to 20. Yeah, I like the um, I like the Seahawks in this one. Minus four. I think in 31-17 they, um, I, I just don't have confidence in Teddy Bridgewater at this point. I think that will be a tough environment to go to Seattle. They uh, And the Seahawks really didn't look at that terrible to be honest. They, I mean, Pittsburgh made mistakes but um, Seattle definitely took advantage of those opportunities. Without Drew Brees, the Saints are going to struggle. Yeah, I, the Drew Brees point is fair. I think the run game is where the Saints are going to make their money in this game. Um, I think they got a, they got their convoy of wagons up front, and uh, just I I can't I can't see Kamara for going for less than 150 all purpose. And uh, yeah, no Brees is going to be tough, but uh, Bridgewater is a perfectly serviceable quarterback. He's played a lot of quarterback in this league. And Sean Payne's a damn good coach, so he'll put him in, a, in the right position to win. So we're, we're not on the same page about that one. Um, I'm taking the Saints. I'll take the Saints there. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see how it pans out. It'll be a, it'll be a fun one to watch. Um, we got Rams at Browns. Sunday Night Football. First time the Browns are on Sunday Night Football since 2008. So in 2008, LeBron had not won a title for Cleveland yet. Um, in 2008, there was no NFL red zone. Oh, God. And in 2008, Baker Mayfield was 13 years old, Swanson. 13. Uh, he was probably starting eighth grade on top of the world. And uh, that's, uh, that, was, that was the last time the Browns were on Sunday Night Football. Well, we returned to Cleveland for Sunday Night Football on NBC this weekend. The Rams are three-point favorites, which is absolutely stealing candy from a baby. Uh, they were three-point favorites in Carolina earlier this year. I think Carolina probably is a more complete team than Cleveland at this point. I think the one big factor for me, and I, I imagine that you have the same thing on your mind, is the Browns traded away their best offensive lineman this offseason uh, to the Giants, Kevin Zeitler. Aaron Donald is going to feast on the Browns' interior offensive line for the entirety of Sunday night's game. And we're going to get a lot of Chris Collinsworth just absolutely – pouring over this guy, making weird sounds up in the booth. We're going to get a lot of Chris Collinsworth telestrator. He's going to be the Chris Collinsworth player of the week, but uh, he's going to dominate. I don't I don't think the Browns can can put a stop to him. I think he's going to have too big of an impact on the game. Um, and the, and the, Ram, the rest of the Rams team is they got guys from top to bottom who are going to, who are going to play football at a high level. So I, I take the Rams. I like the Rams on the road, 24-17 in Cleveland. It'll be a good game. But they're going to win by more than a field goal, and that's that's easy. Yeah, I think that's easy money too. I don't, I don't see how the Browns can compete with the the Rams at all. Honestly, feel like Los Angeles is being disrespected with the uh, with such a small line. You got to think so. Yeah, they just uh, they, they have unbelievable talent, and uh, Browns have talent on on the outside and everything. But Aaron Donald is just a one man wrecking crew, and he will hopefully Baker can make it out. 
full health when the game's over. Yeah, I mean, Kitchens left Baker in the Jets game when they were up 20. Uh, he, he was dropping Baker back to pass with less than two minutes left. So, uh, like, that was an asinine offensive strategy by Freddie Kitchens. We'll see if he can keep Baker on his feet or, or run some sort of uh, protection or, or scheme that, that allows Baker to not get absolutely eaten alive by Aaron Donald. But the rest of the Rams are just going to step right up in that scenario. Um, and and I, think, yeah. I think they're going to take that by, by a touchdown. Uh, next game of the week here, we got Steelers at 49ers. Now, just a disclaimer here for the uh, for the pig pen here. Uh, my roommate just stormed in and recentered the table on which I'm recording, uh, so we can eat some sort of California wrap. Uh, so, if you hear someone uh, sloppily noshing on avocado <laughs> with a little tomato and like a little spinach wrap, dude, uh, that's him. So, uh, we'll get back to the picks now. But uh, but if if these last three picks suck, it's not my fault. Um, it's his fault, and we're going to put it on his head. Um, all right, so let's get back into it. Steelers at 49ers. The Niners are minus – they're six-and-a-half-point favorites at home. We've got – they just came off a waxing of the Buccaneers and the Bengals on the road um, by a combined score of 72-34. to 34. Uh, They really looked pretty dominant. Defense looked good. Offense looked good. Um, Steelers, they're gonna have they're gonna take a second to get their groove here. Their secondary was a clear hole on Sunday. They had to make a Fitzpatrick, but as we were talking about, if your if your defense can't communicate and get in the right uh, alignments and coverages, uh, adding one new young player to that uh, five days before the next game isn't really gonna help with the alignment in the next game. So I like the Niners. Jimmy G's making average receivers look great, and. Uh, he hasn't even really used the full potential of George Kittle yet. So let's go Niners, six-and-a-half-point favorites. I'll take the Niners 24-14. Uh, no, uh, I'll take the Niners 34-24. I like some points in this game. Uh, so I'll take the Niners. Sorry to, sorry to have to do it to you. Nah, you're fine. I, um, so the Steelers started off rough last year as well, and they actually finally got – able to patch their secondary somewhat. I remember they had just got blown out by the Chiefs. A.B. was freaking out on the sideline and everything, and they had Julio coming to town the next week, and they actually were able to get their shit together and uh, take care of business and get back on track. As far as playing Jimmy G this week, yeah, I don't know. I I think they can be competitive, and I do like them to cover the spread, to be honest, but I like the Niners to win 24-20. It'll be tough uh, to start 0-3. It's been done. But, uh, the Texans started 0-3 last year. They made the playoffs. Uh, Steelers are off to a slow start. But the Tomlin, I mean, Tomlin's a good coach. He's, he's never finished with a losing record. They'll be back on track yeah, at some I mean, point. The Steelers are a wounded animal right now. I, I, don't, I don't have much reason to believe that the 49ers are actually that good. So Yeah, we'll see. Maybe they could be frauds. They could be the biggest frauds we've ever seen at this point. Uh, jury's still out. They haven't really played uh, any good teams, kind of the most embarrassing organizations in the NFL so far. But uh, but I do think that they yeah. have some offensive firepower. Their defense is a playmaking defense at this point, even if they're not a stout defense from a yardage perspective. Okay, you like them to cover but lose. Uh, I'll take that. I'll allow it. So we, we've disagreed on a good number of picks this week. Um, last game of the week, game of the week, easily, Bears, four-point favorites, in D.C., they head down to Maryland to play on probably the worst playing surface in the NFL. 
in probably the worst stadium in the NFL. All signs point to a trap. Uh, I'm really nervous about our boys going in there. I, I can see it now. There's going to be some sort of catastrophic lower leg injury, and it's all going to be because some dude slides on the turf, and it's horribly maintained field conditions, and Booger is just going to be talking about how, you know, at, at LSU 24 years ago, you know, he, he was playing at Ole Miss, and they had the worst field in the world, but their players wore three-quarter-inch cleats. So Booger's going to have some dumb story. We're going to lose someone to an injury. This this, this is uh, very scared me talking right now. I don't want to lose to the Redskins. <laughs> Um, just let's yeah. go, let's go to some numbers. Let's go to some numbers. We got the Bears have lost their last seven against the Redskins, which is an atrocious statistic. Now, last time we played them was in 2016, John Fox era. That guy sucked. Uh, so we obviously have a hugely different team at this point, but I still don't like the fact that we've lost seven in a row. Case Keenum's won his last two starts against the Bears, uh, but they were both when he was a member of the Minnesota Vikings. There was a significant talent differential on the other side. In that matchup, uh, this year, talent seems to be pointing in the Bears' favor. We got a lot of injuries in Washington right now. Jonathan Allen uh, and Jordan Reed look like they actually returned to practice this week. Who knows if they'll be 100% for the game. Darius Geis is out. Dominique Rogers, cromartie Ruben Foster, they're on IR. Um, Washington is certainly not playing with a full deck of cards this week. And uh, we got the Adrian Peterson factor. So Adrian Peterson, as a Bears fan, has tormented me for much of my young life. Back in 2007 when he came in the league, um, it was week six, I believe, and he throws up like 230 yards and three touchdowns. He looks like the second coming of Walter Payton. He puts an unbelievable game together, and ever since then, he's kind of been that guy that we know is just prone to to break out for like an 80-yard bomb uh, every game, every carry. So it's a little bit scarring for me to have to go against him again, albeit in a different uniform. But uh, let's circle back here. The Bears' defense is otherworldly. Absolutely ruined a game plan for Denver's offense, whose offensive line didn't look that horrible coming into the season, and we pretty much put a red death stamp on Garrett Bowles, who committed four holding penalties on Sunday. We made Ron Leary, who's a very, very good offensive lineman who came over from the Cowboys before last season, commit two of his own and look like a buffoon on many plays, trying to contain Akeem Hicks. I think the Bears' defense is the difference in this one. Mitch, he can throw it around. He can't throw it around. We'll see. If this run game can't get going against the Washington defense, I don't know when it's going to get going. Uh, Washington's D got absolutely ran over by the Cowboys last week, and I I can see the same thing happening with the Bears this week on Monday night. Um, Hopefully Mitch can put out a performance that's a little bit better than than it was last week. Um, Ultimately, I'm taking the Bears in this one in a conservative pick. I'll take them 35-3, and that's my my pick of the week here. I think Montgomery goes for 220. Uh, in, a, in a performance akin to Adrian Peterson, week six of 2007, in his debut against the Chicago Bears. Uh, Swanee, I got 35 3 Bears. What do you got? Yeah, I got a 33 13 Chicago as oh, well. Yeah. I like them to cover handily. Love to hear it. I don't know about Montgomery having that big of a game, but I could definitely see Allen Robinson banging his head off the goalpost multiple times. The Redskins just aren't good. And like you said, they don't have much to put on the field right now. The, the Bears should be looking to get into stride right about now. So they, they should go into Washington and take care of business pretty handily, in my opinion. We, we got a little momentum rolling. We got a little bit of momentum rolling, and all it takes is uh, just a push over the edge. 
and uh, this team's this, this offense is going to really start ripping. They just need a confidence game here, and they'll be back on track. Uh, I want you all, your homework assignment, the Pigpen's homework assignment this week is go on YouTube, watch David Montgomery's college highlights. He played at Iowa State. Notorious for having a pretty, pretty below average playing surface. They played on grass. It was choppy. There was mud flying everywhere. And I want you to watch David Montgomery absolutely carving up defenses in western Iowa, in Ames, Iowa. Carving up defenses, breaking tackles, making cuts that no one can keep up with. I think he's primed for this playing surface. He's primed for the playing surface in Chicago, for sure, if that's the case. And uh, let's, uh, let's see Montgomery have a huge game. On Monday night, under the lights in Maryland. That's uh, that's my call. Um, I think that'll do it, right, Swan? Yeah, that's about it for this week. That's about it. We made good time here. Uh, hope all the listeners enjoyed. Go ahead and uh, find find the find the hogcast. Share it. Tell your friends. Tweet it. Instagram, LinkedIn. Like I said, it'll uh, it's gonna be a great distribution channel if you guys all hop on Tinder. And you know, send all your Tinder matches the link to the Spotify. And uh, and it was a it was a pleasure this week. Let's go Bears. Let's go Steelers. Let's see what we can do. Steelers, yeah. And we'll uh, we'll have another good good weekend of uh, football
When I look in your eyes and your whole 